everybody thank you guys so much for listening into another episode of reasonably outrageous and matt wyrick can you tell me what you hear in the air it's football season baby it is football season we're under 24 hours until the packers take on the bears and a very exciting uh, beginning to the nfl schedule 2019 is officially here my sadness from the last February till now is finally over. Matt, you know what I did two days ago just just because of football season? What'd you do? I bought a bigger TV. No just way. For simp- <laughs> simply just because I was like, man, I'm going to be sitting on my couch every Sunday watching football. I should get a bigger TV. <laughs> I just went to Amazon and I, I bought a uh, I bought a 60-inch TV. Damn. So we are upgrading for the football season. I'll probably regret that a little bit later. You're not going to regret not, it. You're not going to regret it. No, I'm, I'm going to love it. <laughs> I, I already know I'm going to love it. And then me and our buddy Tom, I mean, he might have even reached out to you about that. We, we've we been trying to figure out ways to um, bamboozle uh, Sunday Ticket. <laughs> where we could maybe split the purchase and get it on different addresses, but we contacted their customer support. That's not an option. Apparently, we will uh, get in trouble for that. So, hmm. you know, might have to purchase Sunday ticket by myself, but that's another $300 there. So Jeez. I'm weighing my options. Yeah. If I if I want to do that or if I want to be stuck with, you know, behind Reddit streams or just watching, like, the Titans play, I don't know how I feel about that. Yes, well, uh, I am categorically denying ever having used Reddit streams, because I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to be doing that, but um, reviews are good uh, from those, so... Oh, look, yeah, I've, 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 never, I've never used Reddit streams. Uh, my name is Matt Wyrick. Of course. Uh, you are listening to Reasonably Outrageous. <laughs> what a start we're off to tonight. Go Nats, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we are here, it's excitement... Uh, I I can already tell that tomorrow I'm going to get nothing accomplished at work because all I'm going to be thinking about is the football season, making bets on the week one spreads and things like that. But we are not finished yet with our season. We can't move on to the regular season yet because we have the final chapter of our very long extended season previews. Kind of lay out for what we've got going on on this episode. We are back with another full episode of football specifically. We'll get back into baseball next week when we've got more time, but we had to cram in some stuff last second. We'll be previewing the AFC West. Um, you know, definitely some uh, competitive uh, teams in there. Two of them in the playoffs last season. The Chiefs, of course, you know, just uh, an offsides play away from possibly making it to the Super Bowl. So we'll give our breakdown of how that division shapes up, and then we're going to transition into our playoff bracket. Go through that, pick our Super Bowl champions, and then we're also going to dish out some NFL awards at the end. Uh, so, Matt, let's not waste any time right in. Uh, we've got the AFC West, and the Oakland Raiders are where we're going to start first. Uh, of course, they had uh, an amazing time this past month on Hard Knocks. I don't know about you, but I could watch John Gruden uh, you know, just <laughs> running around and saying the most absurd shit for every Hard Knocks. Like, if we just wanted to make it Oakland and then Vegas every season. I'd be totally okay with that. Um, <laughs> he certainly is an interesting character. But you know what wasn't interesting was their team last year. They went 4-12, and uh, you know, very terrible start. They trade away Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper. They get three first-round picks. 
Um, maybe more excitement heading into this season. Matt, with the Raiders, what's the biggest thing that sticks out with you? Well, I mean, it's got to be Antonio Brown. Um, you know, his summer Jesus. of discontent, <laughs> uh, as it's been called, just seemingly won't come to an end. It's September, and he's still making headlines, uh, posting today on Instagram that he was fined by the Raiders for missing practice, a total of $53,950, calling out his own team, saying, when your own team want to hate, but there's no stopping me now, devil (laughs) is a lie. Everyone got to pay this year, so we clear at Raiders. Um, I'm sure the Raiders' social media team had nothing to do with those fines, but go ahead and do you, A.B. Um, You know, I, I just I don't know if this is going to be a distraction. It just seems like an, an insane distraction the team's had to deal with all offseason. Um, for literally from the day that he was traded, uh, he has just kind of been a bit of a headache uh, for Oakland slash Las Vegas. Uh, and in terms of what he you know, adds to the field, I don't think that it's necessarily a big deal that he missed you know all that training camp. Uh, for his helmet, you know, he's Antonio Brown at the end of the day. I'm sure that he's, you know, everybody who says who works with him says that he outworks everybody, and that's why he's able to get away with these things. Um, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's going to be just fine. Um, but, you know, you, you can't take away the, the negative impact that uh, it seems like he's going to be having on the locker room that, um, you know, people are going to have to pick sides at some point. You know, AB is going oh, yeah. to alienate some corner of the locker room, and, and people are going to have to say, do they support Brown or do they support whatever corner that is? Uh, so, you know, we're going to have to kind of wait and see on that and, and kind of see what kind of distraction that's going to be for this team. Yeah, and the thing that's going to worry me about Antonio Brown, and not to extend this to him also, but to Le'Veon Bell with the Jets too, is that, you know, beside all the drama that was going on in that Steelers locker room and, you know, the – you know, um, the, the way that those players didn't get along with each other, there are going to be a lot of luxuries that A.B. isn't going to have around him. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is consistently one of the better quarterbacks in football. Derek Carr hasn't really shown a bunch in the last few years to think he's on that same level. I certainly wouldn't put him up there with Big Ben, so there's concerns about that. There's concerns about the protection on the offensive line. You know, the Steelers have always consistently a top three offensive line, and so you're going to take a look at, at you know, Derek Carr not having as well as good protection, not as well of a, an established run game to set up opportunities for him. So um, the only you know positive to take away is that maybe John Gruden's offense is a little more exciting for him, uh, you know, as opposed to what was run over in Pittsburgh. Um, my biggest thing that's it's so interesting, and, and you know, John Gruden is kind of hinting at it as much as he possibly can, and that this is a huge season for Derek Carr. Um, they really stayed away from. Derek Carr and all of Hard Knocks, and they really made the show about Peterman and and Mike Glennon. Um, you know, Derek Carr was around, joined at the hip of Gruden, trying to talk him up as much as possible. But you know, John Gruden for some reason is is keeping four quarterbacks on his roster of fifty three. Now Peterman, of course, is on the IR uh, with that weird little elbow fracture he had in the last preseason game. So I'm not sure really. Uh, you know, when he comes back, do they let go of? of Deshaun Kaiser, do they let go of Glennon, but it seems that John Gruden, and this is through his entire career, has never actually liked one of his quarterbacks. And so if, if it's another just mess season from Derek Carr, and they're heading to Vegas, and maybe they're one of the worst teams in the league again, and they're in position to grab what could be a, an extremely strong quarterback class, I mean, you talk about Tua and Herbert, they're going to be up there. Um, 
Bryce Love is another guy, Jake Fromm. It's a talented quarterback group. You also think the year beyond that, Trevor Lawrence, if they wanted a stopgap year to kind of maybe try and be the worst team to get Lawrence a year later. It's just, this is a big year for Derek Carr to make steps forward in the offense to really uh, feel a good connection with John Gruden because, you know, as his time in Tampa, his time in Oakland before, he went through quarterbacks like it was nothing. He really doesn't have, um, you know, much of a long string out there for them. So, we, Derek Carr needs to really step up his game this year, and I think he's had a good chance of losing his job if things do go poorly. Yeah, and, and this is the thing with this team is, you know, it, it's a big year for them because obviously they bottomed out last year, uh, ended up with uh, a couple of top draft picks, and, you know, with the youth that this team has and, and the position that Carr is in with his contract, uh, it needs to show some signs of life. I don't think anybody's expecting the Raiders to be competitive this year, but they're certainly not expecting them to be in, in contention for the number one overall pick once again. Um, so my second big thing, uh, as we didn't mention, we're only doing two topics for each team, um, but oh, yes. my, my second big thing uh, for them is the rookies. Is their three first-round picks that they drafted, uh, Josh Jacobs, the running back, Cleveland Farrell, defensive end out of Clemson, and, of course, Jonathan Abram, uh, defensive back who played uh, at Mississippi State his final year in college. You know, this is going to be uh, big years for them. Uh, first impressions so far, uh, Josh Jacobs seems to be uh, the, the bell cow back, uh, which is, you know, very uh, obviously being the number one re- running back drafted in the, the draft this year. Um, he highly touted in terms of his running game, um, is going to be getting a ton of carries. He's going to have every opportunity in the world to make an impression. Jonathan Abrams, uh, all over the place. He seemed to be, uh, of the three rookies, uh, first-round pick rookies, excuse me, he seems to be the guy who stood out the most in camp. Uh, doesn't uh, project to be a starter just yet. Um, will be uh, second in the depth chart uh, behind LaMarcus Joyner, who they've brought over to be the free safety uh, after he played in Los Angeles last year. Uh, And then Cleveland Farrell, who had a bit of a rough preseason. So, you know, all three of them kind of uh, in different directions right now. Uh, Not really sure what to expect, but one thing's for sure, they're really going to need to help this team elevate uh, its level of success after such a disappointing year last year. Certainly, and, and Furrow, like you said, it was nothing uh, really impressive this rook- this uh, preseason. Just really a, sh- a lack of of moves off the edge, of, of hand motions and ways to get past uh, the offensive linemen. I do like the play from Abram and Jacobs. I think Jacobs is is a is a is going to have a strong season, especially in this offense. I think it's you know a big upgrade from the running back Scruton had this last season. Um, to me, you know, my second thing, looking at the schedule. Things aren't really pretty in the first 10 weeks, and that's, that's the majority of the season. So they do have two winnable games against Denver and Detroit. I would also say that Minnesota in Week 3, maybe Houston in Week 8, those are winnable as well. But you have to play the Chiefs uh, in Week 2. Well, this stretch in itself from Weeks 2 to 8 is very um, tough, if to say the least. So at home against the Chiefs, travel to Minnesota, travel to Indianapolis, play at home against Chicago, you have your bye week. Then you play at Green Bay, at Houston. Two weeks later, you play home against the Chargers. That's the first 10 weeks of the season. Um, and you know how I think about teams starting off slow and you know being able to recoup. Um, they do have some easier games later on in the year. They do get to play the Bengals, the Jets, uh, the Titans, and the Broncos one last time in Week 17. But if that first stretch goes poorly in Week you know, 1 through 10 and all of a sudden you've got guys that are, you know, fighting for different positions, maybe you got some injuries out there and other guys, maybe A B is unhappy with a, a two and eight start or a three and three and seven start. Things could go really south in Oakland in, in their last season too. 
All right, so predictions for this season. Um, after a season in which they finished 4-12 and and their point differential is minus 177, which was ranked second Ugh. lowest in the NFL with only the Cardinals who hey. finished with minus 200. Pass rushers are hard to find, man. They really are. They really are. John Gruden quote. <laughs> There's plenty of John Gruden quotes you could pull. Um, I, you know, I, I just think that they have such a big chasm to jump um, in terms of improvement. Uh, chasm. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling out all big the all the there. stops here. <laughs> Encyclopedia, Matt Wyrick. <laughs> Honestly, but I, I think their four and twelve record uh, was better than they deserved. Uh, and so I'm Ooh. giving them uh, five and 11. So they do take a one win okay. improvement, but I actually think that that's going to be a more solid improvement than one win suggests. Hmm. Uh, the team's point differential won't be that big. Uh, the offense, I think will take a bit of a step forward. Obviously bringing in AB and Josh Jacobs is going to make an impact there. The rookies on the defensive side, the younger guys, uh, who are in proven seasons, you know, I'm expecting them to at least take a bit of a step forward and allow this defense to, you know, kind of come into its own form and identity because I don't really, I really think the Raiders defense has no identity right now. Um, and that's going to be no. a big thing uh, for them. So I'm going with 5-11, and 11, and while some fans may say, oh, well, you're only let, saying they're going to get one more win, I think it's it, it's a more sound 5-11 and 11 season mm-hmm. uh, than the 4-12 disaster that the Raiders had. Last year, yeah, and and I'll go right off that the, the defensive identity it really isn't there, and for a team last year, you know, minus seven in the turnover ratio or, or minus seven in the turnover margin, excuse me, and then minus thirty nine in sack margin, and Oof. we we can't really say they got too much better in the front seven, especially if Furl doesn't pan out in the early parts of his career. Um, you know, maybe you expect the turnovers to get more towards you know. Uh, maybe this the lower negatives, but um, I'm I'm with you, Matt. I, I have them with a two win improvement going to six and ten. Um, I do believe that you know being able to play teams like Cincinnati, getting the Titans at home. Of course, maybe you know we don't know what the Broncos essentially are, and we'll we'll talk about them next. Um, I do think that that they've made improvements, and especially you know the playmakers they have added on offense. Um, but the defense is is scary. You 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 need all these rookies to hit. You also need to you know. Find other guys on the defensive line that can actually play. You know, uh, we've you know we're a year removed from Khalil Mack being an Oakland Raider now, and, and the impact that he had alone on that defense, you can definitely see the gap that they're missing. Um, but I, I think you know a, a six and ten showing won't be what Raiders fans want in their last season. But you know, for going to Vegas, it's it's improvement. You'll figure out you know some of the guys to keep, some of the guys to let go. You'll figure out what you've got at quarterback. Um, you know, you gave him a star receiver. If he can't make it work with a guy like Antonio Brown, then he's not your quarterback. So we'll figure out a lot of questions, and then I think next year is the real year that we might be able to start seeing some growth uh, in Oakland. But both of us have him last in the division, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Gotcha. All right, well, we are going to move to Denver, uh, where there have been a lot of changes this offseason. There's a new quarterback. There's a new head coach. Um, you know, they've, they've got some moving pieces on there for sure. Last year finished 6-10. and 10. Uh, third in the division, missed out on the playoffs, and that was actually they've had two uh, seasons of, of losing records. 2017, they went five and 11. Um, they bring in Vic Fangio, uh, probably considered the best defensive coordinator in football. If you ask, there was an interview with uh, McVay, uh, Kyle Shanahan, and who was the third? Matt Lafleur, who was the hardest guy to uh, game plan against. They all said Vic Fangio. So mm. they've got the right guy for the defensive mindset uh, mindset in the building. Matt, is there uh, anything sticking out to you with the Denver Broncos this year? 
Yeah, I, I think you got to start with this defense. Now, this team last year, uh, you know, obviously finished six and ten on the year. wasn't exactly the record they were hoping for, but they did get off to a six and six start uh, to their season before losing the final four games of the year. And at that point, uh, which was early December, they were in playoff contention. I mean, in the the AFC wild card race, they were certainly right within striking distance and uh, closing out against the 49ers, the Browns, the Raiders, and the Chargers. You thought that maybe they could win three of those four games and uh, make a push for a playoff spot uh, at nine and seven, but ultimately that's not what happened. Uh, they really struggled down the stretch. And I think, you know, with Vic Fangio coming in here, a defensive minded coach, uh, I'm really excited for what he's going to do with Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller, uh, who are undoubtedly uh, one of the top pass rushing duos in all of the NFL. Chubb in his first season finished with 12 mm-hmm. sacks and 16 games played, forced two fumbles, uh, even defended a fat pass in addition to 60 tackles. Von Miller has had five straight seasons with at least 10 sacks, last year finishing with 14 and a half, three passes defended, and 48 combined tackles. We actually talked about Von Miller uh, in one of our draft episodes when we talked about players who we thought could be the GOAT of their position uh, by their end of their career. Mm -hmm. We we set the filter at players under 30. He is now over 30 years old, um, but uh, I think Von Miller is going to continue his success that he's had, especially with Chubb on the opposite side uh, as a defensive end, just harassing uh, opposing offensive lines, creating more opportunities for him. I'm really excited for, you know, what the two of them are going to do. And if we could you know, start talking about them combining for 30 sacks uh, in 2019. I think that's something that they're absolutely capable of doing, uh, and I'm really excited to see if they can. It's a, it's really a lethal duo, and and to I'm not going to talk about the defense, but to piggyback off what you were saying, um, I, I think that this has potential with Vic Fangio now running that defense. I think by the end of this year, uh, we'll be looking at as this as, if not the best Talent, the best combination of talent and coaching mm-hmm. uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I would still give talent the edge in Jacksonville, but I would say by the end of this year, uh, the Broncos would have surpassed teams like the Ravens and, and the Bears as well, too. I think that just getting a guy like Vic Fangio in the building with the defensive potential that they have here, I think it's going to be a, a huge improvement for them. And they were already good before it. So, um, But where I'm looking at is the offense and um, I'm talking about quarterbacks again, like I was with the Raiders. Uh, when is when are we going to um, when? What am I trying to say here? How are we? <sighs> Joe Flacco, man. <laughs> yeah. I, well, my thing is, it's not even about Joe Flacco. It's just the rotation of quarterbacks in here. Um, who's the name? Uh, who's running the show up in uh, in Denver right now? I can't even remember his name. Great quarterback. Running the show in Denver would be Joe Flacco. Yeah, he, no, no, no. Overseeing like management. Oh, quarterbacks coach for the Broncos. N- n- no, Broncos like GM. Oh, yeah, uh, John Elway. <laughs> John Elway. We're all over the place tonight, folks. Yeah, sorry. I was I was really fumbling on that. Sorry, John. I know you're great, but I forgot. But uh, the one area I'm <laughs> not going to give Elway, you. You know. <laughs> yeah, uh, the the area that I'm not going to say you're great is finding a quarterback. We have shuffled through guys like Paxton Lynch. Uh, we have shuffled you guys like Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum. Um, there are just a ton of quarterbacks that have come and gone. 
Of course, Tim Tebow, the the one that will you locked into Peyton Manning for a couple of years. Congratulations! But beyond that, it's just been a huge shuffling of the quarterbacks. They've taken several in the first opening rounds of you know the past few years of the draft, and none of them have worked out. Now you trade for Joe Flacco, who was benched for Lamar Jackson last year, and you draft Drew Locke. And it's I feel like this has to be the final year where if neither of these guys can stick as the quarterback for at least the next few years, then we have to start reevaluating John Elway's potential um, because he can build a great team around the quarterback. But if you don't at least give a quarterback a chance to be the starter for a couple of years, and if you can't find a guy that's even a, a capable starting quarterback for a couple of years, um, then I feel like you've got more problems in evaluating talent than you might realize. Now, for the quarterbacks, uh, another thing that just sticks out to me in general is that I don't think Joe Flacco is a fit for this offense at all. Rich Scangarello came uh, as the quarterback's coach from San Francisco, um, and you know we, we're talking about these innovative offenses and, and all the uh, the moving pieces with the 49ers, and we talk about the Rams and all the co- um, the complex pieces to it. Joe Flacco isn't built for a, an offense like that. He's built for a ground and pound. He loves to take deep shots. Um, but I, I don't think he's a good fit for this offense at all with a lot of movement outside of the pocket and things like that. So, you know, Joe, prove me wrong. Uh, show off some athleticism that I haven't, uh, that I'm not expecting. But I really do believe by the end of the season we are going to get the Drew Locke show. And I think he's a much better fit. Didn't have a great preseason, but I'm all fine with, you know, letting your quarterback, uh, letting Joe Flacco be the stopgate for a little bit of the season, maybe the entire year like Alex Smith was in Kansas City. Uh, for Patrick Mahomes, but I do believe whether it's by the end of this year or the beginning of next year, it's got to be Drew Locke, and if Drew Locke really isn't the guy for Denver, then John Elway's got some serious problems he needs to fix at the quarterback position. Well, we do have to wait and see if Locke even does take return this season as he was placed on IR. Um, right. How They haven't designated whether or not he's going to return. Um, it's, yeah, so it's, it's up, up in the up air, in the air if he's coming point. back. Um, and they have Brandon Allen, which is... Uh, not exactly plan A uh, for the Broncos. So now they have really have all of their chips in on Joe Flacco, uh, which is concerning, certainly for this offense. Uh, and, and you talk about uh, what its ceiling might be. I think that really comes down to what its wide receiving core does, and specifically Corton Sutton. I think this is going to be a huge year for him uh, mm-hmm. in his second season with Emmanuel Sanders coming into his age 32 season, coming off in a torn Achilles and offseason ankle surgery, uh, where you know, who's supposed to be ready for week one, but you, you'd think that he's probably going to be eased into things and might have lost a step. We talk about a lot of basketball players who come back after Achilles injuries and they're not the same uh, type of player. As far as wide receivers go, that's the, probably the closest position to basketball players uh, on the football field. So, you know, a position that, that relies on speed uh, and ability to jump. So I think Sutton is going to be a guy that Flacco is ne- going to need to be able to lean heavily on. Uh, you know, he had a pretty impressive rookie season, only started nine games, played in all 16, finished with 704 yards on 84 targets, four reception, 42 receptions, and four touchdowns uh, as a second-round pick last year. So I'm, uh, I, I'm actually pretty bullish on Sutton, invested in him in fantasy in a couple of leagues. I think that he's going to be the number one guy by the end of the year. Uh, but he really needs to be, uh, if this offense has any chance of really remaining productive, because Philip Lindsay is a big candidate to regress. Uh, you know, no offense, the, mm-hmm. the, the rookie tight end, just t- typically tight ends don't perform very well uh, in their rookie season. They usually need a year to get acclimated into the league because it's just such a tough position to play, so physical over the middle of the field. Um, so I think Sutton is going to have to be uh, the number one piece in this offense, uh, and, and I don't think he's getting enough respect uh, for what he's done so far. Yeah, and, and you know, that the... 
the playmakers on offense is really going to be tough to evaluate, especially when it comes to their out-of-division opponents that they have to face. They, they take on, they've, they've got a great defense, so I'm not worried about that. But the opposing defenses they have to face outside of the division, I know the Chargers have a good defense in the division. The Chiefs is, is decent. Um, but, you know, outside of, their, outside of the AFC West, they have to play the Bears defense, a much-improved Packers defense. They brought in a ton of guys this past offseason, very deep defense as well. The Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, they have to play a, a tough Tennessee defense, a tough Colts defense. Minnesota's defense is tough. Uh, Houston's isn't that difficult, but then you also got the Bills and Lions, who are both, if not talent-wise, schematically very sound on defense. So uh, the playmakers, you know, you're going to need to see, you know, a, a big year out of Cortland Sutton. You are going to need to see, uh, hopefully, less regression from Philip Lindsay, and you need to see a big year out of Joe Flacco because that's the only thing that I feel like is holding this team back from from really figuring it out is playmakers and then consistent playmakers. Uh, but their out of division schedule definitely doesn't help them at all. Yeah, uh, as far as records this season, I'm going with 7-9, and nine, which is, uh, again, a one-win improvement from last year. Uh, because of Vic Fangio, you know, he, he's a coach that has just been in the league for so long and never gotten his opportunity. Uh, somebody who's really put in his dues, and not to say that he deserves to uh, show improvements, but I think that uh, now that he's finally getting his shot, he's not going to mess it up. And he's been put in a tough situation with the offense for sure. And you know, maybe we get Drew Locke in the second half of the season, and he starts to show some signs, and we can look to 2020 as being a, uh, an exciting year for the Broncos. But as far as this year, I think that they tap out at seven and nine. Yeah, I'm right with it with you uh, there. I've got them at seven and nine as well, third in the division. Everything you touched on, I think the foundation is set. They just need to get they, they need playmakers on offense, they need consistency on the offensive line, they need to figure out if Joe Flacco is actually the guy. I don't really buy his fit in this offense. I could be wrong. Um, I would I would be glad to be wrong because I do believe if, if this offense does find the right tune, they could be an eight and eight or nine and seven, pushing for that final wild card spot. Uh, in the NFC, which I think is actually a little more open this year than I than I thought it would be. You know, after looking at the standings, I have it played out. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit easier to get into the NFC playoffs than maybe the AFC this year. Um, but you know, all that's contingent on the offense. I, I think the defense, like I said, I think it can go down by the end of the season um, as either the best or the second best behind Jacksonville. But Vic Fangio is the right guy to coach here. Um, now they need the quarterback and they need the offensive consistency. And then I, I think Denver could be in a very good position next year and beyond that to really, you know, contend with a team like Kansas City in this division. Absolutely. Um, the AFC West is an intriguing division and one that has uh, the potential for four teams to be in it uh, as soon as next season. Right. And so what's going to be interesting now is we talked about two teams both improving in their wins, uh, and we're going to take this to the second-place team in the division last year, and that was the Los Angeles – or no, did the Chiefs play second in the division last year? I no, no. Remember it now. was Chargers won. It was the – yeah, it was the I mean, Chargers. No, no, no. That's what no. I thought. They ended... the, the Chargers came in second. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the Los Angeles Chargers, I don't know why I, I second-guessed myself <laughs> there, uh, but – um, a, a team that's kind of entering the season with a few questions. Their offensive line is a little banged up. They're missing Derwin James for quite some time. Um, they did, you know, add some more depth on defense. Nothing great. They did come out with two picks in the draft. They grabbed Jerry Tillery uh, at defensive tackle. That was my biggest need of concern for them in the draft. And then they go and get Nasir Adderley, a guy that kind of fell a lot in the draft into the second round. So he's another guy that can uh, aid that safety uh, position heading into this year, kind of maybe trying to make up for the time that Derwin James uh, will be healing from his injury. Um, 
Matt, the biggest thing for the Chargers for you, what is it? It's got to be the running back position right now uh, with Melvin Gordon in a holdout. It it doesn't seem like anytime soon we're going to be seeing him on the field, uh, especially considering the the contract that Ezekiel Elliott got from the Cowboys today. extra six years, 90 million, 50 million guaranteed, making him the highest paid running back. There's no doubt in my mind that Melvin Gordon is looking for something in that ballpark. And I really don't think that the Chargers see him as being worth anything close to that number. They've already said that they will not be negotiating any kind of contract until after the season uh, and that he was free to speak with other teams in terms of trying to work out a deal. Uh, We heard today that the Philadelphia Eagles were interested in acquiring him in a deal that involved a pick swap, uh, as well as Jordan Howard going over to the Chargers, but the Chargers ultimately said no. Uh, So now they're going to be moving on with Austin Eckler, the third-year running back, uh, who will be, uh, you know, be put into a bigger role than he's accustomed to, but he's been one of the more efficient running backs uh, in the NFL, given his small sample size. Over those two-year career, he's averaged 5.3 yards per carry, Um, you know, only 554 yards last season, but only 106 rushes. Uh, so you think that in an expanded role, that number is probably going to come down, but they seem pretty happy with him and also seem intrigued by what he can add in the passing game as well, something that Melvin Gordon mm-hmm. was very good at, uh, something that Phillip Rivers in his age has to be able to rely on. Uh, I, I see Austin Eckler fitting right into Melvin Gordon's shoes, and, and this offense is not going to miss a beat uh, without him. Oh, yeah, he's certainly going to have the opportunity right there to take advantage and really make Los Angeles kind of forget uh, Melvin Gordon for a bit if it goes well. If it doesn't, of course, then the pressure is going to be on to bring Gordon back in. Where I'm looking on the offense uh, is I'm taking a look at the receivers, and, you know, we've, we've you know, applauded the depth at receiver with these guys. Of course, it starts with Keenan Allen, Travis Benjamin, Mike Williams. They used to have uh, Terrell Williams, which is also another huge guy to have in there. Really, one of the more deep one-to-four receivers, probably the most deep in the NFL. Of course, Terrell is no longer with the team, but the guy I'm looking at is the guy that missed all of last season. That's tight end Hunter Henry, and I'm stealing this real quick. I want to quote something from you from uh, Warren Sharp's 2019 football preview. Um, It says, over 2016 and 2017, Henry was the NFL's most successful tight end target. He ranked number two in success rate among all positions, and he ranked as the NFL's best player in missed yards per attempt, a metric measuring efficiency on plays graded as unsuccessful. He was a major difference maker in the passing game. He will be back there at the tight end position for these guys. And really, that was the missing piece on offense for him last year. They had everything clicking with receivers. Uh, you know, Melvin Gordon was there in the running game. The offensive line was healthy. Phillip Rivers was playing at a great level. They were just missing that tight end position uh, that really would have taken them to probably one of the top offenses in football. Now with Hunter Henry back, uh, maybe he's not 100% week one, but as he goes through along the season, we could be looking at a guy that sneaks into consideration as a top five tight end in the league. Yeah, and and on the defensive side, it's just the number of names uh, that just jump out to you here. Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Thomas Davis coming over from the Panthers, which is such an underrated signing in my opinion. Casey Hayward, Desmond King, I mean, uh, up and down. uh, I'm just really impressed with the group. Uh, that they've put together uh, over in Los Angeles. And, and, you know, a lot of people are talking about this team uh, regressing after last season. But I'm personally a huge fan of Anthony Lynn uh, and and the approach that he's taken uh, with this squad. I'm all in on the Chargers this year. Uh, I think that they're absolutely going to be making a return to the playoffs and will be challenging the Chiefs for the number one spot in the AFC West. 
Yeah, it's certainly, you know, fortunately for them, the schedule isn't too difficult. Um, we're taking a look at in, in just, you know, they do have to play some talented teams. Of course, they start off with the Colts uh, this Sunday, which is going to be a very interesting matchup. Um, you know, I, I'm very intrigued with that as well, just because of the, the injuries that they have right now on the offensive line and, and you know, Derwin James. I, that's just me being a Colts guy trying to look in for ways for the Colts to beat the Chargers on the road week one with Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback. But, um, you know, they get to play guys like like the Lions and the Dolphins and, and the Broncos. You know, I'm not as high on it with the Titans and the Texans. They get to play all those guys in the first seven weeks. Then it ramps up a little as it goes on. You have to play the Bears, the Packers, the Chiefs twice, the Jaguars, and the Vikings all between weeks 8 and 17. Start off early, start off strong. But if you don't start off strong and maybe you're wobbling into to week 8 at maybe 5 and 3, uh, even six and two, it's going to be tough sledding the rest of the way to really, uh, you know, put yourself in a good position uh, to compete with the Chiefs atop that division. Well, I think this is a group that's capable of doing it, and I've got them finishing eleven and five uh, with a wild card spot this year. Uh, I see them returning to the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I think the Chargers have just been a really popular team that that people are subbing the Browns in for uh, in the playoff picture um, as it's a team that's going to make it that didn't make it last year. Um, but I, I just really like this team from top to bottom. I think Phillip Rivers uh, continues to defy father time and uh, you know puts together another strong season. Uh, like I said, I, I don't think that Melvin Gordon's loss is necessarily a huge uh, thing for them, uh, and, and I'm, I'm looking at 11-5, man, and I feel really good about that. Wow, so I, uh, I'm not feeling as confident with you. I, for some reason, um, and it has a mix to do with everything, you talk about missing Derwin James, talk about missing the offensive line, both your tackle positions are, are not, you're not getting your week one starters like you were expecting, um, questions at running back, I still have questions about their depth in the linebacking core, I'm not too big on it, um, and, and even you know getting, um, getting Tillery, I, I, I still have questions at, at defensive tackle in terms of depth. I actually have the Chargers uh, regressing, going down from their 12 and four record to nine and seven. Uh, that places them at second place uh, in the AFC West. I do not have them winning the division. Um, you know, the, this was just my team that I just feel like had such, everything going right for them last season, and I feel like some of the things that were going well just won't as well. And it's starting off with the injuries, of course. Um, maybe Philip Rivers isn't as, as on his game as he was last season. I thought he was playing at an outstanding level. Um, something just doesn't feel right to me about this team. I think they were riding a lot of good energy last year with a lot of surprising play from players they weren't expecting. And, and I do think uh, maybe just a, a slight dip, I've got them dropping down to 9-7. and seven. I'll, I'll say this one thing. The Chargers last season played 16 road games. They did not have a welcoming home environment they played in a temporary facility uh, a new city that has yet to embrace them and in fact is forced to embrace suddenly two teams at once after being dubbed not a football city uh for quite a long time uh so you know i, I think that that gives the team a chip on their shoulder uh it, it makes it a tougher path for them uh to do well but the fact that the chargers were able to succeed in that environment uh, I think that says a lot about the unit that they have put together. And, and yes, there are some questions about their depth for sure. Uh, but, you know, I think the Chargers' star talent rallies that, uh, rivals that of, of te- any team in the league right now. And I'm fully confident that they're going to be having a great year. Right, yeah. You know, 9-7, and seven, that, that really is just one game out of the playoff picture. I've got, I think I, the way I have it is I have two 10-6 teams 
sneaking in. So I really do think they're in that batch that's just right below. Um, you know, I, I just think when you've got I, – I have the Raiders and the Broncos both improving, and then I don't think the Chiefs got worse. It's just tough to have every team at least staying the same or getting better in the division for me, and, you know, the Chargers were just the odd man out, I guess, and maybe some of those closer division games. All right, well, but, uh, that leaves one but, team. Yeah, <laughs> that leaves one team, and one team I'm, I guess I'm feeling good about. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs um, coming to this season with the reigning MVP, Patrick Mahomes. A lot has changed on the defensive end. Um, you know, guys that they've lost include D. Ford. Uh, you talk about Justin Houston, who's now in Indianapolis. Uh, you lose, uh, you get rid of um, Eric Berry. Uh, you bring in a bunch of other guys as well. Emmanuel Agba, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, Darren Lee, uh, Alex Okafor, Brashad Breeland. Uh, really a reshuffling and, and retooling of their defense all in one offseason. Um, on offense, everything has stayed essentially the same. Running back position has switched a little with Kareem Hunt now over in, in Cleveland. Um, you know, they added Nicole Hardman, uh, the, the speedy wide receiver that could have potentially been the Tyree Kill replacement uh, if Hill had not been able to return. Definitely, uh, you know, the top tight end in the league as well. Um, so uh, it should be a big year for the Chiefs. Matt, what is the most uh, outstanding topic for you when it comes to Kansas City? I mean, I've been giving you the quarterbacks for all three teams, so I'm just going to go ahead and take Patty Mahomes uh, here. Um who I've never heard of. Him. <laughs> He's a stud. Uh, you'll you'll find out that name quickly. Um, oh, okay. He he just absolutely was incredible last year. I mean, me, you know, rooting for the Saints. I wanted Drew Brees to to get that MVP trophy, but I had to give the nod to to Mahomes and what he was able to do. I mean, the first ever five thousand yard, fifty touchdown season uh, is nothing to shake your head at, especially considering he entered the year with only one game played uh, in his career and absolutely just came in throwing no look passes. Uh, becoming the most gifable quarterback uh, in the league. And, you know, what I'm tired of hearing is players who had 50 touchdown seasons in the year that came after. It's only happened twice prior to this year. It was Peyton Manning uh, and Tom Brady. Peyton Manning, of course, was 37 when he threw for 55 touchdowns in 2013. It was hard to expect him to come back and, and be a quarterback at that same level. He just had one kind of all-time great last year. Uh, and then Tom Brady in 2007 threw for 50 touchdowns uh, and then tore his ACL in Week 1 the following year. I don't think either of those two seasons are comparable to what Mahomes, the kind of position Mahomes is in right now. He's entering his age 24 season. He has an entire career ahead of him with already an MVP under his belt. At this point, all he needs to do is win a Super Bowl, uh, and he's reached the pinnacle of his position. So uh, I'm I'm all in on Mahomes. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about in fantasy you can't draft a quarterback. You know, win the first three rounds. I think Mahomes absolutely is a lock uh, to to be a player. Uh, of MVP caliber, uh, and I'm fully expecting him to to be among the best quarterbacks in the league once again in 2019. Yeah, everybody and their grandma knows how much I love Patrick Mahomes at this point, so I won't talk about him. And since you wax poetically about him so uh, so perfectly <laughs> just then, I'm actually going to go and take a look at the coordinators, which is a weird thing uh, that I feel like I, I don't know if I've talked about with many teams, but. Um, they bring in Steve Spagnuolo, who was originally the Giants defensive coordinator, and that was really the beginning of retooling this defense, more to fit his system. Um, you know, last year the Chiefs were extremely good at getting teams off uh, on third down. They had one of the best third down defenses in the league, but definitely had their fair share of games where they, they were ended up getting, you know, a little bit torched. 
you know, do I worry a little bit about trying to throw a team together in one offseason on one side of the ball and having it work? Yeah, there's a little scare there, but I do believe that it's a lot of good talent. Uh, instead of just throwing random guys from other teams' benches in there, they really went out and were aggressive on the defensive end. Um, you know, the trade for Frank Clark, uh, being able to get in a guy like Tyro Matthew, um, you know, those are guys that I feel like are, are definitely um, huge upgrades on the defensive side. Uh, of course, Chris Jones in the middle has stayed there. He's the centerpiece of, you know, the middle of that defense, of course, too. Um, so the defensive side, I'm not worried about. And, and then on offensive uh, side with the offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. uh He's going to be a head coach next year, in my opinion. I don't see a situation where he doesn't end up with a with a new head coaching gig. You know, I'm trying to think of teams that might be, you know, firing their head coach. Maybe if things don't go well in Washington, uh, maybe Jay Gruden is out. You know, maybe, you know, all hell breaks loose in Arizona and they fire two head coaches after, you know, the first year each year. Um, but I, I do believe Eric Bieniemy is one of the better offensive coordinators um, in the league, and he's actually probably been a little underappreciated. He's had a lot of success everywhere he's been, and um, I, I think, you know, given the right steps, um, this, as long as this offense doesn't fall off a cliff, which I think the entire world would be shocked if it did, uh, I think Eric Bieniemy will be a head coach uh, for a National Football League team next season. All right, well, Blake, I have a bone to pick with you here, and my bone to pick is Steve Spagnuolo, who I just quite frankly – have not been. Oh, you don't see with, it. Um, since uh, he was fired as head coach of the St. Louis Rams in 2011, he's had one season as a full-time defensive coordinator in which his defense has ranked outside of the top or the bottom five worst defensive units in both points and yards. Both points and yards. Only one season in the last five years uh, that he's done that. Now he didn't coach uh, in 2013 or 2014. Um, so his last five or last four seasons, sorry. So 2012, in which he coached one of the worst defenses of all time in New Orleans, uh, in which they ranked 32nd in yards allowed, 31st <laughs> in points allowed, 32nd in rushing yards allowed, and 31st in passing yards allowed. I, I just uh, in all as all facets of the game, that defense was terrible. And you can argue that you know he had some injuries and the the, the unit wasn't necessarily stacked around him. Um, that was yeah. when the Saints were stuck in that seven and nine territory. Uh, but at the same time, when he went over the Giants, he, he still had some outstanding secondary groups, and his passing defense still wasn't all that great. Um, I'm just for me, I, I'm not sold on Spagnuolo running that defense. That's not even my topic, but I just when you brought that oh, up, but you had to you had to pick the bone <laughs> in me. I did. I, I, did. I think I'm, I think I just. So just more so like it because I think the talent is there to help him out with it. You know, it's a combination. They of certainly good made players. the upgrades this offseason. I have to give him credit for that. Right. Yeah, and, and it's not like you know the Giants had a good secondary. They had some good pieces. You know, Landon Collins. Uh, they had a good you know some good defensive players back there too. But you know there isn't a ton that was exciting about there. And the Giants didn't have necessarily a bad defense either. Uh, when he was with them from 2015 to 2017. I mean, that was one of the seasons that they were also in the postseason. 2016, um, they were incredible. Uh, they they yeah. finished second uh, in points allowed per game, uh, just out of nowhere. Uh, but you, you look at 2015, they finished 30th in yeah. points allowed. They, they uh, don't have the consistency there. Then second, then 27th uh, in 2017. So uh, it's just, right. yeah, he, he's been so up and down throughout his career. Um, and, you know, he, he really did flop with the, with the Rams. Obviously, that was in a head coaching position, but the defenses, uh, mm -hmm. they were middle of the pack, but nothing really stood out to me. So um, I'm, right. I am not exactly I bullish on Steve Spagnuolo. 
Yeah, I also think, and we can move on to your second topic right after, I think also the connection uh, with Andy Reid. He, of course, was worked his entire way up through the Eagles coaching staff when Andy Reid was overseeing uh, you know, the Eagles during their, their very successful runs, too, as, as a defensive assistant. Uh, then he went to D-backs coach, linebackers coach, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he has familiarity with Reid. Maybe they have something in there that they can you know, unbottle, but... You know, now that you've brought all that stuff up, I'm feeling a little less confident. But, you know, what? I'm sticking to it because I already said it. So uh, let's move on already. Let's start talking about what you got next. I got you. And, and we'll, we'll talk some offense real quick before we get out of here with uh, the AFC West. And I want to talk about the running backs group, uh, obviously with Kareem Hunt uh, getting released last year. It was just kind of open season uh, for the Chiefs running back committee uh, for players to step up and, and try to be the lead back. And Damian Williams overtook Spencer Ware on the depth chart uh, and, and had a very good end of the year uh, and came into this offseason expecting to be the league cow back. Uh, they draft Darwin Thompson in the sixth round, which at the time doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge addition, but he absolutely impresses in camp to the point uh, where they're comfortable trading Carlos Hyde, so they get him out of there. And then, of course, LaShawn McCoy is cut by the Bills. Him and his history with Andy Reid, he gets signed, uh, you know, maybe not up to speed necessarily in week one uh, with the offense. Of course, he, he has run an Andy Reid offense before, so you know it's it's kind of like relearning to ride a bike. But at the same time, there's certainly a lot of wrinkles that he'll, that Reid has brought to the Chiefs offense that he didn't use back in Philadelphia, so he'll have to be learning that. So it's going to be important for Williams uh, in the first week or two to really establish himself uh, as a quality lead running back, or else he's going to be in danger of falling into a committee uh, with Thompson already knocking on the door and Darrell Williams also being in that deep group. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, who do you think really is, is the the emerging guy there? What, what, what impact do you think Shady actually has? I don't. I, this is the thing. I, I really don't think that LaShawn McCoy is necessarily uh, going to be a, a huge presence. Yeah. I think that, the, I mean, the name's flashy for sure. And in, in his history with Andy Reid makes him an intriguing pickup. Uh, if I'm a, a Chiefs fan, I'm excited to have him in the room. Uh, if not, just to be able to mentor uh, some of the younger guys. But at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, I just don't think that you know at his age, he's necessarily going to be making a huge impact. I'm still pretty high on Damian Williams. I, I really liked what I saw out of him last right. year. Um, I actually liked him, but when Kareem Hunt was on the team, um, I had my eye on him uh, for a while last year. So uh, he's been a guy that I've kind of been like, oh, my son, he's, he's coming through <laughs> finally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see him get an opportunity to be the league cowback. Um, but but there are just so yeah. many names that are in here. I think Darwin Thompson is going to to be a force uh, down the line. I just don't know if 2019 is going to be his season. I think it's all going to be Williams. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, maybe just a veteran presence there that helps some of these younger younger guys out. But um, exactly. But you know, I am going to talk about the offense in terms of my schedule. They play some brutal defenses this entire season, and it's going to be a real good test for Mahomes and stuff like that. Not to say that his schedule was easy peasy last year, but in your first, you know, even just the first half of the season, you start off your season against the Jaguars, who I think are the best defense in the league. Week three, you play the Baltimore Ravens, I would say are top three, top four defense. The Detroit Lions are good coach schematically on defense. The talent really isn't there, especially in the secondary. Um, the Colts, I just read an article today that had the Colts as a top ten defense in the league. Uh, I would be, you know, pleasantly surprised about that. And they also have Justin Houston there. He's got, you know, some familiar time in Kansas City. Uh, you play the Denver defense in Week 7, which we I just spoke about I think is a top two by the end of the season. And I think the Packers and Vikings as well are very well uh, talent-wise on defense. 
Um, so, and, and that doesn't even mention teams in the second half of the season. The Patriots, have, who have the best secondary in football. You play the Broncos again. You play the Bears uh, on the road. Um, huge. I think this is a much bigger test for the Chiefs offensively. I think they play a, a ton of talented teams uh, that could really cause them fits uh, on the defensive end. Absolutely, and you know, I'm I'm feeling twelve and four uh, this year. I yeah. don't think that they're necessarily you know some. I, I was listening to uh, the Sick to Football podcast, and one of the guys on there has them going sixteen and zero uh, this year, which I think is a little you know a little high. Um, you know, there, I think there's some regression certainly uh, for Mahomes. Uh, I don't think he necessarily gets to fifty touchdowns once again. That's not to say that he's going to be uh, a bad quarterback by any means. I think he's still, like I said, going to be in the MVP conversation. Yeah. But trying to repeat those numbers are just going to be ridiculously hard because uh, he set the bar pretty damn high. So I'm going with twelve and four. Yeah, and that's the thing with Mahomes. It's like if he regresses ten percent of what he was last year. He's still, still amazing. in the top three quarterbacks in football. So I agree with you. We've agreed a lot on this uh, on this division. I guess our big disagreement was the Chargers. Mm-hmm. But I do have the Kansas City Chiefs going 12-4. and four. That's actually my best record in the AFC. I've got them as the number one overall seed uh, in the AFC right there. Um, everything you said, it should be a good season. Um, 16-0 would be extreme. It would be entertaining to watch. Uh, but I certainly think that they have all the pieces in the making to be a very true contender this season. Absolutely. All right, let's let's yes. jump into Dude, some, we, we some predictions. We did it. We did it. We, we, oh, did. we wrapped up our season. And I actually, I have I have a quick question for you. I know we're you know trying to save time, but this was an interesting one. Who was the toughest team for you to leave out of the postseason? I, I got to know this. Oh, you know, I, I'd say two teams stood out to you yeah. to me. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'll do one NFC, one AFC. Uh, That's in, fair. In the AFC, it's the Ravens. Uh, I, I think that defense yep. is just such a solid unit, uh, top to bottom, um, and, and they made some huge additions over the offseason. Lamar Jackson figures to be even better in 2019, considering he didn't start the entire season, uh, and the Ravens went on such a tear after he became their starter. Uh, I love how John Harbaugh shaped that offense around him. I would have loved to put him in, but I think they're one in a very tough division, and two, I just have a lot of 9-7 and seven teams uh, that I had yeah. them to fight off. Um, uh, and, and you know, with the Chargers and the Steelers being my two wild card picks, uh, I just couldn't justify putting the Ravens over either of those teams. In the NFC, though, uh, it's going to be the Cowboys uh, you know, a team. That obviously, mm-hmm. at the time of that pick, I wasn't sure if Zeke was going to be playing. I kind of accounted for him uh, to be missing a game or two at least uh, this season. I did think that he'd be back uh, by the time you know the stretch run happened. Um, but I had them going nine and seven as well. Uh, and it's an NFC that I also had a lot of nine and seven teams. Jeez, I had. Five nine. Right. No, no, I'm looking at your your picks. I had three. Oh, I've, three, I've nine, got and a, I've got a ton in nine and seven. Yeah. I got <laughs> it's, one, it's an two, easy thing three, to go to. You know, you, you don't want to say I they go five hundred. They'll they'll get a winning record, but you just aren't sure where yeah. to put them. Um, yeah. So yeah. I had the Cowboys going nine and seven with the Rams and the Falcons uh, getting those two wild card spots. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm high on the Falcons. I think they're going to be uh, an outstanding <laughs> unit this year, uh, which sucks for oh, me. Yeah. Uh, and and I just can't kick the Rams out of the playoffs. I, I think if uh, between the Cowboys and the Rams, I'm going to go with the Rams every time. So um, right. Cowboys are just kind of the odd team out, but uh, I wanted to include them. Yeah, I, I fortunately did have Dallas in there, and dude, don't get me started on Atlanta. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about them uh, shortly. You know how high I was on with them, making them my number one team in the NFC. The hardest team in, in the NFC for me to get out of the playoffs or to get into the playoffs it was the Chicago Bears because really the only reason I had them dipping out was the loss of 
uh, Vic Fangio, and then also losing, uh, you know, made their slot corner, Bryce Callahan, Adrian Amos at safety. They really didn't lose a ton of guys. Uh, the expectation is is that Jordan Montgomery, um, er, Jordan Montgomery, David Montgomery, <laughs> uh, is going to be the guy replacing Jordan Howard. They're, that's where I was going with that. Nice. Um, so you know they potentially could be even more improved at the running back position. Um, really, it came down to consistency from Mitchell Trubisky uh, and those slight misses on defense. You know, I, I love Chuck Pagano to death, but he's not Vic Fangio. And so how this team is going to operate defensively, the talents there. But the mix of the talent and the coaching, I feel like, is going to be a huge miss. And I agree with you in the AFC. Uh, the teams, you know, the Ravens were so tough to leave out, but I didn't, I couldn't put three teams from the same division in. I don't yeah. think that it's going to be that easy to do. It's happened before. We've seen it, of course. Even NFC South. Divisions like the NFC. Yeah, the NFC South has done it. Even the AFC. No, the AFC. Yeah, the AFC North has done that before. It was the Steelers, Ravens, and Bengals. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know. The toughest one in the AFC was actually the Chargers, and we were just talking about them. It was tough. It just something to me, it was one of those teams that just seemed like regression was due. And so putting them out, um, you know, they have a, a talented roster. I've said it before. I feel like they have one of the more complete rosters. But something didn't feel right in terms of the guys that they are missing to start the season, maybe Phillip Rivers, you know, maybe missing Melvin Gordon for the entire year. But those were definitely uh, the teams that I, I, I was so close to putting in but just barely missed. But uh all right, Matt. You ready? I'm ready. Are we doing? Let's, are we doing playoffs first, or are we doing yeah, pre- predictions what, for awards? What, what would you rather? You want to go playoff seating first? Uh, we've been talking teams. Let's just stay with the teams, and we'll do the awards at the Alrighty. end. Alrighty. All right, great. So, Matt, give me. Uh, we're gonna start going one by one, one player, one player at a time. <laughs> one of us player. at a time. We're gonna start. <laughs> we're gonna start with your playoff bracket. Let's start in the AFC. Uh, give me a little rundown of what your seating is look like, just so we can uh, get that all set before moving forward. Yeah, that's right. I got the Patriots at fourteen and two is the number one seed uh, in the AFC, followed by the Chiefs, who finished twelve and four, uh, tied with the Browns in record. But I'm giving the nod uh, to Patrick Mahomes and company for the bye. Uh, Browns coming in at the three seed uh, with the twelve and four record, and the Jaguars closing division winners out at ten and six. Then we got the Steelers at twelve and four. Uh, and the Chargers at 11 and 5. So the first round playoff matchups in the AFC yes. would be the Steelers versus Jaguars in a rematch of that wild oh, yeah. uh, AFC divisional round game from two years ago, and the Chargers versus the Browns, uh, which just has a lot of intrigue in and of itself. Definitely. So let's let's start with Jags and Steelers. That was an exciting game to watch, of course. Now we get them back there. There's no longer Blake Bortles. There's Nick Foles intact. Uh, of course, the Steelers are reshuffling their skill positions on offense, but their defense is super tough, and Big Ben has been there before. Jags versus Steelers, who do you got coming out on top? Man, i, I got to go with the Steelers. I, they're coming out of a much tougher division. Yeah. Uh, I already had, uh, you know, we, we obviously reshuffled our AFC South after the whole Andrew Luck retirement situation. Yes. Uh, so that put, propelled the Jaguars into the postseason for me. Uh, it, it took Andrew Luck retiring for that to happen. The Steelers were already <laughs> a bona fide lock for me. So I'm, I'm going with the Steelers moving past the Jags in, in that first round. All righty. And then the other one, we've got the old guy in Phillip Rivers, uh, with his deep receiving core, and then you've got the Cleveland Browns with the young gun Baker Mayfield, money maker, um, his talented wide receiving core. That in itself, it, it seems like a very interesting matchup because you know you've got two quarterbacks that love to bullshit. They love to uh, to give shit to everybody out there. Uh, they're very aggressive on the field. You've got talented skill positions, stud defensive players. You talk about the defensive talent on both of those lines. 
Uh, that would make for a very exciting opening round matchup. I can imagine just sitting on my couch Saturday, 3 p.m., and watching them go at it. Matt, Chargers, Browns, who do you got coming out on top? Yeah, can I have a tie? Um, <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> the, I, I'm going to go with the Browns here. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. high on them, like I said, and you know, I think – I'd like to see them get a bye this year. Uh, I think they have a team that's capable of doing it. I just think the Patriots and the Chiefs are just such super teams at the top. It's going to be tough uh, to jump mm-hmm. one of the two of them. So I think the Browns are right near that caliber. Um, not not ready to anoint them uh, a true powerhouse in the AFC just yet, but I think that they're going to have a chance to show themselves uh, in the playoffs against those teams. So I have them moving past the wild card round and beating the Chargers. I love it. So now we head to the divisional round. We've got the Steelers as the five seed traveling to New England to take on the Patriots, a game that we are going to watch this Sunday. Uh, So it'll be a rematch of this opening uh, week debut. And then the very exciting Chiefs versus Browns. Let's start Patriots-Steelers, two teams that have been there consistently over the last decade in the AFC. Who is moving to the AFC Championship out of those two teams? You know, last year we talked about the Patriots and how they were just going to kind of figure it out, that the roster seemed to have some holes. There were a lot of question marks uh, in the running game, uh, on the defensive side. Uh, as, as far as, you know, who was going to be standing out in that group. But Bill Belichick and company, they always figure it out. Um, you know, at this point, uh, with the consecutive run of AFC Championship games, I'm not going to be the guy that says they're not going to make it. Um, so I'm having them beat the Steelers uh, and go into the AFC title game. Yeah, of course. You can't blame a a team that's been there and been there as they're going on for their, what, seventh Super Bowl championship uh, of this Belichick-Brady era. Um, Certainly, you know, one step away right now with you in the AFC title game. Now, this is the matchup that I would love to watch. We talk about two of the younger, you know, faces, futures of the NFL. It doesn't get bigger than Baker Mayfield versus Patrick Mahomes, Odell Beckham Jr., Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Jarvis Landry. There are stars all over the field. Um, Who do you give the edge to in this matchup? I'm sorry, Browns fans. It's going to be a miracle Ah, run, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think we're destined to have a rematch in the AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Patriots. I mean, uh, with the moves that the Chiefs made on the defensive side, like I said, I'm still questionable about uh, who's running the show over there. But I think that they have a great personnel group. Um, I think the offense has the potential to be the best in the NFL uh, for not just this season, but for years to come. Uh, we've just still got Travis Kelsey in the middle of his prime, who um, you know is a season or two away from uh, surpassing Gronk as the best uh, tight end in his prime of all time, um, in my opinion. So, you know, uh, if if he can continue this, what he's been doing, I'm really excited for for this Chiefs offense, and I have him uh, passing the Browns. Um, Browns, you'll have your year, don't worry. Um, And I I wish, I do, not going to lie, there's a part of me that does want them to uh, make it to the and that uh, part of it, is, you, is, is someone who made a, <laughs> is your wallet. You made a big bet on the Brown Super Bowl odds. What did you get them at, and how much did you put down? I got them at 30-1 to 1 odds. That was plus 3,000. Um, it was the day they signed Kareem Hunt. I put $20 down, so I win 600 bucks, ah, okay. uh, which in, you know, isn't, a, I guess, a lot in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, for a recent college grad, I'll take 600 bucks. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say no to it either. Uh, but that brings but, uh, me but, to Patriots-Chiefs yeah. in that AFC Patriots Championship Chiefs, game. Uh, the rematch I think everybody wants to see. And I've got the Chiefs winning at this time. Uh, the, pa- the Patriots, uh, you know, 
not not to knock them, but you know they did it last year. It's hard to to return to the Super Bowl in back to back seasons, and the Chiefs just looked like such a big threat and were a couple plays away from going themselves uh, last year. So uh, I think they avenge uh, last year's game and they make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like it's going to come down to one of those two teams. I don't blame you at all. And if the Chiefs made the right improvements this offseason, uh, and, you know, maybe you get that, you know, higher expectation, maybe you don't get that offsides play last year, they could have been right in the Super Bowl this year, or this past season. So um, no blame there with you at all. And now we're going to see who they're taking on from the NFC. So before we get there, uh, just to refresh everybody and myself as well, how did you have the seating uh, playing out in the NFC? Yeah, yeah. So I've got three thirteen and three teams: the Packers, yes. Saints, and the Eagles. Uh, and having to pick a team to not get a buy is tough. Um, but I'm going with the Packers uh, as the one seed uh, in the NFC, followed by the Saints as the number two, uh, which makes the Eagles the the odd team out there. They go to the number three seed. Seahawks, who won the division in a tiebreaker with the Rams at nine and seven, uh, they'll be winning the fourth seed followed by the Falcons as the five seed, finishing 11-5, and five, and the Rams, of course, uh, rounding things out at number six. All righty, so that, that brings us to uh, a very intriguing matchup. We'll finally get to see Jared Goff versus Carson Wentz in the playoffs. Uh, very, you know, number one and number two picks. Both have now been massively paid. That's how crazy this, this NFL season with us being previewed in. We didn't even have time to talk about the Goff or Zeke extensions that they received I recently. Know. Uh, but we've got Eagles Rams opening round of the playoffs playing in Philadelphia. Who's coming out of that one alive? Um, I'm giving the nod to the Eagles, man. This roster yep. is deep, and as much as it pains me to not put them into the top two seeds, uh, I think they are absolutely uh, in that top tier. You know, I talked about how the Browns aren't necessarily in that group yet. The Eagles, obviously, having won Super Bowl two years ago uh, and having returned to the playoffs last year after getting off to uh, what was a pretty rough start uh, to their season. Uh, I, I'm all in on the Eagles this year. I think they're going to be an outstanding team, an absolute Super Bowl contender, and, and they skate past the Rams um, in that first round. There you go. And so then the other matchup that we've got there, two very nitty-gritty defenses. We've got Dan Quinn and the Atlanta Falcons against Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks. Who is coming out of that one alive to take on the Saint, or the Packers in the next round? For me, it's going to be the Falcons. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I'm expecting big things out of Matt Ryan this year. Um, very high on him and, and, and the group that he has around him. Everybody's just healthy uh, in Atlanta. And last year was a bit of a wash considering all of the injuries that Atlanta had top to bottom. But I, I really do think that once the Falcons are fully healthy, they're going to be a force. And the Seahawks, you know, uh, I like I said, I have them winning the division at 9-7. and seven. Uh, I don't think that it's necessarily going to be as tough a division, a division as a lot of people are making the NFC West out to be. Um, the Seahawks are, are a team that just finds a way into the playoffs every single season, um, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee them a run all the way. I think the Falcons are just going to overpower them in that first game. There you go. And so we are left with the next round. We've got the Falcons traveling to Green Bay to take on the number one overall seed Packers, and then we've also got the Saints and the Eagles. So let's start in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, we all remember that NFC Championship game, what was it now, three years ago, two years ago? I believe it was three, actually, now, where yeah, the three. Packers just got absolutely blasted by Atlanta. Uh, Matt, what's the outcome this time? Do the Packers get their revenge, or are they pack, uh, sent home again? I'm afraid they're going to be sent home again. 
Um, yeah. I, I have them going 13-3, and three, which is something that a lot of people aren't expecting, uh, considering they're, they're coming in with Matt LaFleur as a new head coach, and, uh, you know, Rodgers kind of just taken a new approach to the year with a new offense, all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's going to be a distraction in the regular season. But like I said, I think the Falcons are just such a, an elite offense that they can go toe-to-toe with the Packers. And that wide receiver death in Green Bay really scares me uh, in terms of what the offense is going to look like by the end of the year, uh, considering all injuries. Uh, and if Devontae Adams goes down, there's just nobody for uh, Green Bay to throw the ball to. So uh, I, I'm going with the Falcons. Um coming out of the wild card round and going past division rounds to make it to the NFC Championship game. Yes, and joining them will be the Saints or the Eagles. Matt's, of course, a, a, a very faithful New Orleans Saints <laughs> fan, but the Eagles are no tough team to mess around with. So, Matt, who do you have facing off with the Falcons in the NFC Championship game? Well, the Saints-Eagles game from this past postseason was uh, one for the ages. It took an Alshon Jeffrey drop uh, ball going right yeah. through his hands at the end of the game uh, for the, the Saints to pick it off and uh, secure the, the Eagles' fate. Uh, I think that the Saints and Eagles are going to be toe-to-toe this year, but I'm picking New Orleans um, just because I think that the offense uh, is at that same level. Uh, the defense, both teams have a lot to like. Um, but I, ultimately, I, I look to the quarterbacks, and, and while I think Carson Wentz is going to have a huge year, uh, wink, wink, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, Ooh, teaser. I, <laughs> I, I do think that Drew Brees' postseason record stands for itself, and uh, the Saints, um, with Sean Payton at the helm, uh, will be able to make it back to the NFC Championship game. Certainly. And so now we've got a good old NFC South bout for a trip to the Super Bowl to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. The New Orleans Saints do get the home field advantage. Atlanta, a five seed, making their way up one game away from the Super Bowl. Matt, who is going on to play the Kansas City Chiefs? I'm going to go with the Saints, and I know I'm coming off as a homer here, but uh, I really do nah, think that nah, nah, nah. The, this, this, is, this, this unit that they have right now, uh, You know, I think this is one of the best Saints uh, offenses that we're going to have had in the history of the organization that 2011 team really stands out uh, as one of the best in NFL history and I think that 2019 Saints uh, with Michael Thomas locked up Alvin Kamara uh, getting an expanded role Jared Cook coming in as a very underrated signing at the tight end position after an outstanding year in Oakland um, you know he's obviously going to take a step forward with Derek Carr not being his quarterback uh, and, and you got guys like Latavius Murray you have an outstanding offensive line uh, with multiple pro bowlers uh, I just like this team from top to bottom. The defense, Cameron Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Sheldon Rankins uh, coming off an Achilles injury, but he was having an outstanding year before he got hurt last year. Uh, Marcus Davenport, in his second-year season, expected to take a jump forward. There's just a whole lot to like. Hiko Alonso was just acquired uh, in a trade from the Dolphins. So uh, every every layer of this team has good depth. It has uh, some flashy names, and I, I, I think this is the year for the Saints to make it back to the Super Bowl. They've lost in disappointing fashion each of the past two seasons uh, in the playoffs with the Minneapolis Miracle two years ago. Last year, of course, the missed call uh, in the Rams game. I think the Saints now, you know, they showed that they were able to put the Minneapolis Miracle behind them and, and have an outstanding year in 2018. I think they're going to be able to do the same thing with the, the disappointing loss to the Rams in 2019. It's not going to phase them. They go 13-3, and three, two seed in the NFC, and they make it to the Super Bowl. And there it's set. Matt, your Super Bowl championship is set. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs from the AFC taking on the New Orleans Saints, two very talented uh, offenses, well-coached offenses as well. A lot of star players on defense. Matt, it's time to put it out there. 
How do you see this game going? And who is your Super Bowl champion? Oh, as much as it pains me, man, I'm going with the Chiefs. Um, you know, there you I, go. I talked about the Saints, and and I, I do think that they have the talent to win the Super Bowl. And you know, in in one game, there's a lot that can happen. And and I'm not saying I'm counting New Orleans out by any means, but uh, this Chiefs team, you know, it just felt like all last year that that this was kind of what was going to happen. Uh, it felt like the Chiefs were the team to me. You know, it reminded me of the Cubs. Uh, back in 2016 when uh, they obviously had to end that 98-year drought and all season Chris Bryant was playing like an MVP and uh, they were at the top of their division, top of the National League, and they just kind of cruised through the playoffs and, and played a very tough Cleveland Indians team all the way to seven games, took a rain delay in that seventh game uh, for a Super or World Series champion to, to be decided. But I feel like this is kind of what the Chiefs' year is going to be like for them. Um, you know, they've had so much playoff utility in, in their uh, franchise history that this team, this, this city, really needs a, a Super Bowl. Uh, and I, I think this is just going to be the year for them. There you go. So the Kansas City Chiefs are your Super Bowl champions. I know that's not an easy pick to make no. as a Saints fan. And you won't enjoy watching it if that comes true. But you will have predicted it correct if so. So either way, with your Super Bowl matchup, if that comes true, you'll, you'll be happy to get the pick right. And but for the record, be happy that your team, yeah. For the record, last year I did pick Rams versus Patriots in the Super Bowl, so uh, I'm on so, a hot streak right now. So this, yeah, is, <laughs> maybe and, two years in a row. And I got the pick wrong. Uh, I picked the Rams yeah, to beat the Patriots. The Rams, that's so right. maybe this is this is my destiny. I get the picks right, but I don't actually choose the right team. So I'm actually doing yeah. the Saints a favor here. Well, there you go. And so <laughs> that's all set. Your playoff bracket is good. You've got the Kansas City Chiefs taking down the New Orleans Saints. And that Man, brings up your times. And that brings up yes. your picks, Blake. I know you're excited uh, to jump in here. So I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't set the bar too high for you. I've got some pretty uh, sexy maybe. picks. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and jump in the AFC here. Go ahead and give us the rundown of your seeds, starting with number one, uh, which is a team you have coming out of the AFC West. Yes, it is. So number one, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs uh, locking that up with their 12-4 and record. Uh, right behind them, I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers at number two. I've got them finishing 11-5. and uh, I spoke with Matt before. We made some slight adjustments to the AFC North. I think I mis either misguided myself when we did it. Uh, that was probably, what, our first or second episode, I yeah. guess, I've... I've tweaked, um, so I do have the Steelers there at 11-5. and five. Right behind them at number three, uh, the New England Patriots. Missing uh, the, the first AFC round by. I know, I know. I just I feel like that division is tougher than it's been uh, in quite some time, and so I feel like that's an extra loss you can add in there. Um, number four, I couldn't get away from them. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts just barely, uh, barely getting out of the AFC South, tying a top with the Jacksonville Jaguars at 10-6, and 6, but getting the tiebreaker. The Colts are my number four seed. And then my two wild card spots, I've got number five, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and number six, the Cleveland Browns. Just missing the postseason were the Chargers, Bills, and Ravens. Hmm. So that sets up a fun matchup between the Patriots and the Browns, the new yes. kid on the block versus the veteran uh, unit. Blake, do you see any chance of the Browns going into Foxborough and beating the Patriots? Not at all. I think they get decimated. I think they get <laughs> absolutely destroyed in this game. We've seen so many classic opening round matchups for the Patriots. I think about you know a game against the Texans. Uh, you know, I think about you know their game against the Chargers even last year. I feel like this is a classic. Patriots are upset that they have to play in the opening weekend of the playoffs, and I think they destroy the Browns uh, and move on to the second round. 
And then, of course, your other wild card matchup, you've got an AFC South bout. Yes. Colts and Jaguars, two teams that you have tied uh, in the regular season at 10-6, and six, but you gave the tiebreaker to the Colts. Does that also mean you're going to be picking the Colts in this game? No, it does not. I've got the Colts falling, man. Wow. I, you know, the Jaguars, a strong defense. Nick Foles has more playoff experience than Jacoby Brissett. Uh, we know what he's done uh, in previous years, making his way into the playoffs and all the magic he's made. Um, I, I really love this Jaguars team. I, I think really the only thing that stands out to me is maybe a little you know, thin uh, play at linebacker and maybe missing a quality tight end. But I love this Jaguars team, and I've got them moving on to the second round. All right, all right. Well, that means they're going to be going on the road to face the Chiefs uh, in that second divisional round. Uh, obviously, Nick Foles' magic. Is that going to be carrying on into Kansas City, or are we going to be seeing Patrick Mahomes uh, carrying on his success from the previous year? I was so close to picking it, but uh, I am going to have the Chiefs advance. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this is going to be an extremely tough uh, test for for uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and that you know going against such a, a tough defense um, and a well coached defense and I I do believe that this will be an extremely close game. I was so close to picking the Jaguars uh, because I you know I, I I love their defense and everything they bring to the table. But in terms of just overall offensive talent, I think it's going to be overwhelming at a certain point. And then I do believe there are enough playmakers on defense to to spark up, you know, some of the young receivers that that Jacksonville is going to be relying on. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think that this is a very good team moving forward, but uh, just barely missing a trip to the AFC Championship. And here's the first matchup that we both have uh, the same yes. of, and that is Steelers Patriots. As you mentioned before, a very storied uh, history between these two teams, particularly in the playoffs. You got Big Ben, you got Tom Brady. That's all you really need to know about the two teams going yeah. into the game. Blake, who do you got? <sighs> I had the Steelers, and then I changed my mind a couple days ago. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with the New England Patriots. Um, Chalk. You know, I'll, I'll talk. Boo. I'll talk about the yeah. Well, actually, not technically not because I did have the Patriots as my three seed. That's fair. So, so I've so. got the three seed making it to the <laughs> AFC Championship. But I mean, what's more to say? This Patriots team, I think, uh, actually has a chance to be one of their better teams uh, that they've had in quite some time. I know the record that I predicted for them doesn't show it, but you know, New England always gets off to the you know the beginning of their seasons a little scrambled, and then they figure things out. Um, but I, I really do love. Uh, everything about this Patriots team. And yeah, uh, I got an AFC championship rematch just like yourself. All right. So then Patriots chiefs, uh, that's all, all you really need to know. I mean, after last year and how close it was, like you said, I had the same matchup. Uh, are you going with the chiefs as well? Or do you think the Patriots are going back to back AFC titles? It pains me. I got the Patriots going back to the Super Bowl. I I think that this is, up there in terms of, of, of talent uh, from Patriots that we've seen in quite some time, especially on the defensive end of the football. I think that this is going to be one of the better Patriot defenses um, since, you know, we talk about the, the late 2000s within um, the teams that they brought out there. I, I think, you know, best secondary in football. I think they'll figure out the pieces in the front seven, but the talent is always there and the depth is always there. Um, on offense, I think, I think, you know, what we're going to see from the Patriots this year is a lot of ground and pound and, and chewing out the clock. And essentially, you know, they're going to work their way um, and try and keep Pat Mahomes off the field as much as they can, uh, kind of like what they did last year. And I think, you know, the the formula is there for them to to make another trip to the Super Bowl. I couldn't, I couldn't do it as much as I love the, the Chiefs and as much as I love Mahomes. I, you know, 
Uh, they've got plenty of time ahead of them to make their own trips to the Super Bowl, but the Patriots are still around, and I think they're uh, they're they're as good as ever. All right. Well, it's hard to to knock you for making a Patriots pick. I mean, uh, it's, it's it not seems fun. Like, no, it's not fun. But it, not at the end of the day, do. it probably is the sensible choice. Anyone who doesn't pick yeah. the Patriots is going against the grain. So um, can't can't knock you for that. I did have them going fourteen and two uh, this year, yeah. which is better mm-hmm. than any record you had for any team in the entire any NFL. Team, yes. <laughs> uh, so as as you can see, we are both very high on the Patriots this year. Uh, they just look like they have a complete roster, and I completely understand oh, yeah. you picking them to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Now, as for the NFC, Blake, you've got some interesting picks here. Dude, How about you give me the rundown? The NFC, this is about to get weird. <laughs> just just a heads up. So <laughs> the way I've got this seeding playing out is I've got the Atlanta Falcons as my number one seed uh, in the NFC going 12-4. and four. Uh, Right behind them are the Philadelphia Eagles, who also went 12-4, and four, but I gave the tiebreaker to the Falcons. Uh, my three seed is the Green Bay Packers at 11-5, and five, coming out of that very tough division. Number four, uh, barely getting in uh, over that division lead. I've got the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I, I do believe there is regression there, but not uh, enough to push them out of the playoffs or out of the division lead. Um, number five, I've got the New Orleans Saints. Um, and then at number six, uh, also getting in with a 10-6 and six record, I've got the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Some fun matchups here. I'm going to go ahead and start. Yes, a lot of rematches also. So yes. this opening round is is two rematches from you know recent years. So let's start with the Cowboys and the Rams, uh, two quarterbacks or who no. have been. I'm no, sorry? it would be uh, oh, Cowboys-Packers. Cowboys, Packers. Packers. My apologies. Yes. Cowboys-Packers um, with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper uh, conceivably being the last year that we have the three of them together. The Packers, of course, entering a new era with Matt LaFleur. Uh, where do you have this matchup going? Yeah, man. I mean, we all remember that that great game two years ago where Aaron Rodgers hit that improbable throw uh, to, I believe that was also Jared Cook. Jared Cook getting a lot of love on this episode <laughs> uh, to set up that game-winning field goal uh, in Dallas. This time they're in Green Bay, and I'm giving that edge to the Packers again. Um, this Packers team is a very special uh, a group. I love the additions they've made on defense, and I think you know, as much as people talk about tension between Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers, I feel like they're just both guys that you know want to just stick their middle fingers to the media, go out there and ball out, and they're certainly going to do so this year. So I got them moving on. Five letters for you: R E L A X. Exactly. We've heard it from Aaron Rodgers before. We'll hear it again. Uh, I'm not. I'm not necessarily worried about the Packers. I think they're going to have a great year. And, of course, mm-hmm. that also means that you're going to have the rematch between the Saints and the Rams yes. from the last <laughs> NFC Championship game. As much as it pains me to see the two of them slated to play each other in the playoffs, Blake, what are you going with here? you making the right yeah, call. I'm, yeah, I am making the right call. I got the Los Angeles Rams uh, moving on to the next oh, round of the postseason. Oh, my God. Um, dude, I know, you, I know you like the Saints. I have questions about behind Kamara. I've got questions about number two wide receiver. They're running it back with Ted Ginn again. Um, I've got questions. You know, they do trade for Kiko Alonso. Um, I, I just, for some reason, I, I, I don't feel right. You know, you, you know, I don't believe in, in hangovers, essentially, but two uh, terrible ways to, to leave the, the playoffs the last two seasons. Um, I don't think the magic is there this year, man. I, I do still have them getting back into the playoffs, but, um, you know, you've got them in the Super Bowl. I've got them losing in the first round. R.I.P. to your future as an NFL uh, analyst, Blake. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we'll, we'll see about we'll, that. We'll see, we'll see. That does mean, though, that the Rams would move on uh, and face the Falcons, 
uh, in Atlanta, uh, in the dome that they have down there. Lots of high-octane offenses uh, in the NFC, and, and two possibly yeah. none better than the Rams and the Falcons. Who do you have emerging from this matchup? Yeah, I went with the Rams again. Um, I, I went with Los Angeles. I, I think that there's there's a lot to like about L.A., and a, a lot of love that I don't think that they're getting, especially in terms of, of the wide receiving core. I believe Cooper Cup coming back for them is huge. Uh, getting him is, is, I think by the end of the year, will be the number two target opposite of Brandon Cooks. I do believe Robert Woods is very talented, but Cooper Cup will get a lot of attention there. Um, I, I love Sean McVay. Um, he's not going to overthink this season like he did in that Super Bowl where they were only able to put up three points. Uh, I've got the Rams going back to the NFC Championship. All right, and then who will be facing them, Blake? Of course, the Eagles being your number two seed, playing host to, oh, crap. I didn't write it down. Did you say the Green Bay Packers? Green Bay Packers, yes. right. Relax. Um, do yeah. you have the Eagles beating the Packers, or do you think that Aaron Rodgers uh, finally puts together the deep postseason run we've been waiting for him to have ever since they last made it to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I've, I've got him making that run to the NFC uh, title game. And Aaron Rodgers, um, I, I feel like we're just due for a magical season from uh, you know an extremely talented quarterback. Uh, he's got the right offense in place. I do love this Eagles team. This Eagles team is dangerous. I almost had them going to the Super Bowl. Um, I couldn't do it at the end of the day. Uh, I do have questions. Doug Peterson, uh, second half of the season last year, play calling looked a little flaky. Uh, I, I need to see more improvement from that. They did boost up their their running back core, their offensive line. You know, you could go too deep with them. Um, you know, their defense has stars all over. But the greatness of Aaron Rodgers and the improvements they made on defense is enough to bring him to the NFC Championship. All right. Well, that means that you do have Packers going on. What do you got for the NFC Championship game, Blake? Yeah, man, a fun game. Matt Lafleur, uh, you know, going up against his former, um, you know, uh, quarter, or going against, I guess, his employer, I guess, his uh, his superior in, in Sean McVay. Of course, they both worked together two years ago in Los Angeles. Uh, I've got the Packers going to the Super Bowl, man. I, I think we are in for a great – I think, you know, just overall, I think this is a very talented team. Um, I, I believe that the offensive line tackle to tackle is very strong. Um, I believe Aaron Jones, Jamal uh, Williams is a good, you know, duo to have back there. And I'm not too concerned about, about the depth at wide receiver. I think they got a lot of attention because the offense wasn't going as well last year. But, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, they've got a lot of guys there that I think can make a big move this season – uh, defensively, uh, star players at, at every level. Um, I've got the Packers going to the Super Bowl, and it feels weird to say that given how their season went last year, but I think that they've got the, the tools to really uh, shape up and, and, and make it to the championship. And so, yeah, got them in there, and uh, we are all set for my Super Bowl matchup. All right, man. Well, that that brings it down to Patriots, um, and I'm afraid my audio cut off, and I actually missed your pick. Um, <laughs> oh, you did! I took that. Jeez, I took the Packers. <laughs> um, my, uh, sorry, my AirPods—they were dying, AirPods so I tried to slyly uh, plug in my headphones into my phone, um, like my other headphones that are wired. And when you put the AirPods away, it hangs up the phone. When you put them back in the oh, case, oh Jesus! So my apologies. I didn't uh, even notice. Missed, so. I'm sure you had a great rant there, but I'll take your word for oh, it that course. you picked the Packers. Um, yes. Packers versus we are Patriots. Stumbling in we final, really are. Uh, hey, we're just ready for the football season to start. All right, it's yeah, like you know we're, we're addicts. We're, we're uh, scratching at the neck. Really need our fix. Uh, so yeah. we just really need this. But Packers, Patriots, two three seeds uh, that you have. 
Uh, yeah, that was weird. Uh, that's just a weird thing with with three seeds. I don't know why, but, uh, I, but I, I, hey, they both have long roads. No, not neither team will be able to say they were able to coast uh, to exactly. uh, the Super Bowl. So both having the same number of games. Who do you got taking the title? Oh man, you know there's so I, I'm gonna talk myself into choosing my winner because I actually hadn't picked it up to this point. I've been fighting over it for the last three days after I made this <laughs> playoff bracket. Um, you know, you take a look at both of these teams. New England, their defense is extremely deep. They're they're the better coach team. So they have the advantage in coaching. And I would also say overall they have the advantage on defense as well. Now you look at the Packers. What do they have the advantage on? I would say uh, it's Aaron Rodgers. And you've got to trust that Aaron Rodgers is better uh, than the opposing team. And better, you know, is better than the scheme and the talent on the opposite side. And for me... You look at who the, the Patriots have lost to in previous Super Bowls, and it's been star you know players uh, really just taking advantage, and the player has been greater than the system. So in the end, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they are going to make a massive jump in their first year with Matt LaFleur as head coach, uh, and they are going to walk away as Super Bowl champions. Yeah, I actually really wanted to pick the Packers. They were a team that uh, I was kind of bouncing back and forth on. Uh, the Packers, Saints, and Eagles, I think, were my three NFC Super Bowl contenders. So um, I, I like the pick. I, I think that a lot of people have just been freaking out about the Packers entering this year, and I really think it's unjustified. Uh, mm-hmm. Give, give Rodgers the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, this is the first time in the Rodgers era that the Packers have lost, have not made the postseason in back-to-back seasons. I really don't expect them to make it three. Um, I, I like the pick, Blake, um, and I'm glad yeah, you're not picking the Patriots. Yeah, and just the fan in me, just to uh, to see Rodgers and Brady in a Super Bowl against each other, it's all I've been waiting for, I feel like, the last you know, the last 10 years now, you know, we go back until 2012, 2010. I've been waiting for these two to get together at the biggest stage of them all. We've seen them play twice in the regular season. Both have gone in the Patriots' favor. Um, now we get a chance to see them on the biggest stage of all, and I feel like uh, that would just be a game I would love to watch, and I feel like it could go down as an instant classic. Oh, yeah. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our postseason uh, predictions that all that leaves now, Blake, is our, our player predictions for the awards this year. Yes, yes, it does. And so, all right, so we uh, we got to come out with these now. These are the last uh, things we've got. We're going to go with MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year. So, Matt, let's start with you and let's work our way up. Uh, you know, you've had a lot of impressive teams, a lot of strong records in the NFC. Three thirteen and three teams, a t- uh, fourteen and two team in the AFC. Uh, who is your coach of the year? My coach of the year. Uh, I'm going to go with Freddie Kitchens. Uh, I think if any team, can, any coach who gets the Browns to snap this uh, this run that the Browns have had of being so terrible, I mean, obviously that the, the group that, that was put together uh, this year is going. It looks phenomenal, and and I think at the end of the season he may lose some votes uh, because people are going. If this team does pan out, people are going to look at this group and say, "Oh well, you know, it wasn't Freddie Kitchens. It was just this entire this group that everyone put together." But I want I want the voters to to take a look around at what everyone is saying right now. I you know I think that the Browns are a popular pick among fans, but I don't necessarily see a ton of analysts jumping on the bandwagon uh, where they're a little bit weary about it. Um, and I think that's something that you need to take into account at entering the season. You know, if you're not saying that the the, the Browns are a slam dunk pick uh, to make the postseason to be a top team in the AFC, and they do do that, you really need to take that into account. So I'm going with Freddie Kitchens uh, for my coach of the year. 
Yeah, I don't blame you at all, especially with the wind jump like that and, you know, the, the beginning of a new era. As long as everything goes to plan uh, the way you have it picked out, he certainly should be deserving so. All right, so now give me your offensive and defensive rookie of the year. There are a lot of good candidates out there. Uh, you know, on offense, you know, maybe not as big of a race as defensive, but who are your picks? Yeah, offensive rookie of the year. I'm going with David Montgomery, uh, running back out of the Chicago Ooh. Bears. Um, I, I think Josh Jacobs has been getting the nod in a lot of circles, but Montgomery's just had such a great camp. Um, uh, we've been hearing a lot of good things out of Chicago. They trade Jordan Howard, which gives him a much bigger role uh, in that offense with Tariq Cohen being the primary guy out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, but, you know, I think Montgomery is going to be getting a lot of volume. And when it comes to rookie running backs, that's so important. Um, and it, I think that make, means, as far as running backs go, uh, you're talking about Josh Jacobs, Dave Montgomery, and maybe Miles Sanders. Um, but even then, that Philadelphia running back group, which conveniently enough acquired Jordan Howard uh, is very deep so I don't think he's going to be getting enough snaps to really be competitive um, you know Kyler Murray is in this discussion as well but uh, being in the Cliff Kingsbury offense that really just looked pretty streaky in the preseason uh, I'm leaning toward one of the running backs and I, I think I like the Montgomery pick the best um, as far as defensive goes though um, I like Quinnen Williams defensive tackle for the Jets um, you know he like you said it's a very tough uh, field with guys like Devin White, uh, Devin Bush, Nick Bosa is in there. I mean, he's obviously had the injuries uh, that he's been dealing with so far, but uh, Josh Allen, Jonathan Abram, Rakia Sin, who's one of your favorite players coming out of the draft. Um, uh, I like Williams. Uh, he was the consensus top de- defensive tackle in the draft. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing, I think, a, a league shift a little bit where defensive tackles are becoming more and more important in terms of the pass rush, um, kind of starting with Aaron Donald and, and the impact he's been able to make. Uh, we've been seeing more and more teams look for uh, schemes that allow the defensive tackle to be, make more uh, of a presence up the middle, and I think the Jets could schematically really make uh, life hell for opposing uh, offensive linemen who have to face Williams. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. That's definitely you know two of the better players. You know, Montgomery really came out of the scene uh, you know, a guy that was, you know, as soon as they traded away Jordan Howard and, and brought him in, you definitely thought that he was going to be given, you know, as big of an opportunity. And so if he connects on that, definitely. And then Quinn Williams, a beast in the middle, certainly. Uh, it, it should be good there. So now let's take a look at who you've got for your defensive player of the year. Yeah, so um, I'm going with a, a pretty out there pick. Um, I mean, it's the defensive player Wait, of the year. So who are you doing? Oh, this is exciting. I've got I've got a weird one, too, so... The last time a cornerback won Defensive oh. Player of the Year was 2009 when Charles Woodson did it for the Green Bay Packers. I'm going with Jalen Ramsey, cornerback Ooh. of the Jacksonville Jaguars. A I lot of people that. talk about how he took a big step back last year, but I really don't think he did. Um, you know, Still had 13 passes defended, three interceptions, um, about the same number of tackles as you know he has had in his career. Um, I think this could be, you know, it's kind of a question of how many interceptions you're going to get. If you really are going to be uh, the defensive player of the year at the cornerback position, you've got to rack up the, the the picks. And so far, Ramsey has had two, four, and three in each of his first three seasons, uh, despite. Um, being a pro bowler twice and an all pro in 2017. I think that the one thing that's been missing from his game is just racking up uh, a high number of picks. Uh, I think this could be a big year for him uh, in his age 25 season uh, with an improved Jacksonville unit around him that's going to take some pressure off. Um, I could see him uh, racking up eight, nine, maybe even ten interceptions this year. Uh, I'm all in on Jalen Ramsey. 
Dude, I love it. You know how much I think he's one of the, you know, he's going to go down as an all-time great at the corner position. Certainly a freak of nature. And if Jacksonville gets, you know, success on the team too, uh, I feel like that always, you know, helps the player out, you know, with the Rams and Aaron Donald. You know, if, if you know, the Rams are the number one seed in the, in the NFC, Aaron Donald gets, you know, a little bump based on the team's success. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it's solely dependent on that, but certainly, uh, you know, the Jags are expected to be a lot better. The defense is expected to, to bounce back from it. Eh, season last year. I think that's a great pick. I actually really love it because, you know, Jalen Ramsey is a great talent. Um, and, and so now we switch over to MVP, which essentially, you know, in the last the several years has been award. who's who's the best quarterback in the league. So uh, last year, of course, Pat Mahomes. Uh, do you have him repeating his MVP or you got someone new coming into the club? I do not uh, have him repeating, and I hinted Ooh. at this earlier, but uh, oh, yes, that's my right. boy Carson Wentz. Uh, I think is going to be the the most valuable player in the NFL this year. Back in 2017, he looked to be on just that path before suffering that knee injury that cost him the rest of the season, created the Nick Foles saga, um, all of the above. And in the sense, uh, you know, obviously didn't uh, play all 16 games last year, only played 11, wasn't in the postseason. Um, this is the year that he is fully healthy. Uh, he gets the full uh, confidence from the front office with the massive extension. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, this group that he has around him is, is awesome. Deshaun Jackson's added back into the fold. Um, a deep running back group. Zach Ertz is one of the best tight ends in football. Alshon Jeffrey, uh, aside from that one drop in the playoff game, uh, was a very valuable presence for them last year as well. Uh, I, I think the Eagles offense has the potential to be uh, a top five offense uh, in the NFL this year, and Carson Wentz is going to be the driver for that. So uh, I think Wentz is going to be our MVP in 2019. Well, there you go. It's certainly going to be a big season for him coming forward off the, all the injuries. And, and you know, certainly at, at his best is in that top three range if you want to go in terms of overall talent. You know, Mahomes, uh, Rodgers, Wentz, he's, you know, Wilson, he's in that uh, upper. Uh, uh, oh, okay, let's let's not get in over our heads. but um, <laughs> Over our heads. All right. Yeah, come on, dude. I've Those had guys enough have of your Saints trash he, talk today. Dude, if you want to tell me that Drew Brees is a top three quarterback in this league, we can have a whole podcast debating that. In 2019, in 2019, if you're telling me that Brees is top three. But we, we can save that for another episode, okay? <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I, I, I like the pick as Carson Wentz, all right? Let's all right. leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Now, before we get into your picks, do you have any of the same as mine? Uh, I actually do not have any of the same. Wow. All right. Let's see. Let's see what you got then. We'll start with coach of the year and just go down the list. So who do you got, uh, winning the COY? Yeah. I mean, jump of a big year. uh, And I also, you got to look at storylines with some of these situations too. And so my coach of the year is actually going to be Dan Quinn with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I do have them finishing with the best record in the NFC. And the big thing with the storyline with Dan Quinn is he is finally, you know, taking over the reins of calling the defense again. And and it's a very small, uh, small, you know, storyline to have. But you know, he was his bread and butter was as a defensive coordinator, and now as the head coach, uh, he's, he's had success in Atlanta before. Um, but now taking over the reins and calling the defense, and if they have the season like I'm predicting they will, um, I, I think he's he's got to be that coach of the year candidate. And how about your rookie of the year's offense and defense? Yeah, offense. I'm going Josh Jacobs. I, I think he has. Uh, he's going to get all of the attention on offense uh, in the run and pass game. I don't think really Jalen Richard is much of a threat to take touches away from him. Other running backs in that system as well. I, I think it's going to be the Josh Jacobs show. I think the Raiders are going to be very exciting on offense. Going to be awful on defense, like we talked about today. 
but uh, I think he's going to get enough opportunities and enough touches uh, where, you know, you look at the landscape, um, you know, Montgomery is going to have Cohen cutting in in the receiving game. Kyler Murray, we've talked about the questions there. Um, to me, you know, none of the receivers really stick out unless, you know, DK Metcalf explodes in his connection with Russell Wilson. So I am going to go with him on the offensive side, Josh Jacobs. Now on the defensive side, I'm going Devin Bush with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are my number two seed uh, in the AFC. Um, I, I think they're going to have one of the better defensive units. And, and really him stepping in there and replacing Ryan Chazier in the middle of that defense. Uh, I, you know, he's had an extremely uh, impressive camp and, and, you know, begin to in beginning to his NFL career. Um, De- Devin Bush is my pick for defensive rookie of the year. I, w- I had a tough time going between him Quinn and Williams, and then Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver was probably my, my number two guy. I just think that the Bills are also going to put out an electrifying defense. And like you said, that interior pressure is so big now um, that I, I think you know those two guys are going to be great candidates. But Devin Bush, and I think the impact he has on the entire Steelers defense uh, and the fact that they're going to be a winning team as well, um, you know, I think that plays a huge role for them. Yeah, he'll be that Ryan Shazier replacement that they've so desperately needed ever since the linebacker went down uh, with that mm-hmm. terrible back injury. So um, that's a big role for him to fill, and it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, moving forward. Now, for Defensive Player of the Year, Blake, you said you got a weird one. Defensive Player of the Year, I, I went a little out of the box like like you did with Jalen Ramsey, and I'm actually going with a guy that's only entering his second year in the NFL, and I'm going Bradley Chubb. Nice. Uh, with the Denver Broncos. To me, this is a guy that, you know, we talked he was just a you know a sack and a half away from the rookie record. Um, now he gets Vic Fangio teaching him the offense his second year in the league. I know Von Miller is right opposite of him, but that's what's great about having a guy like that around you is it opens you up for so many opportunities. Uh, and, and you, you know, you can't focus four offensive linemen on two guys. So it's either the defensive tackles are going to absolutely eat up the middle of opposing offensive lines or Bradley Chubb is going to get a lot of hits on the quarterback. Um, it's weird. It's out there. I almost went with Miles Garrett. You know, it's a very common pick that we've been seeing. Um, you know, as long as everything, you know, it's his growth. You know, people were doing it for last year. People expect it this year. Uh, just like yourself with, with Ramsey, I went a little out of the box. I think Bradley Chubb is going to be my defensive player of the year. Hey, man, they're preseason picks. And we'll be talking about some guys at the end of the year that weren't even – thought about uh right now so it's okay to have those kinds of picks i I approve um and that that brings us to your final prediction for the 2019 season we've done every division we've done every team uh the entire playoff prediction all of the awards except for mvp blake who are you going with for the most valuable player in 2019 yeah man and this played a huge role in me switching from them being a three seed to a two seed uh you know securing the first round by i didn't have them going too far in the playoffs i have them losing their first game but this is a regular season award and i'm giving the mvp to ben roethlisberger um i i think that you look at storylines like i was saying with coach of the year and and what a perfect storyline for a guy that lost one of the best receivers in football and then one of the best running backs in football as well so you lose both of those guys and Pittsburgh, I expect them to be, and you do as well, one of those best teams in the league. And they've got a great defense. They've got a great O-line. But I think we're going to see a huge season from, from guys we wouldn't expect it. You know, James Conner and Jalen Samuels in the backfield. James Washington and Dante Moncrief, how they fare, you know, uh, alongside Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Vance McDonald is a breakout candidate at tight end. And it's all going to come into place because of Ben Roethlisberger. And he's gotten a lot of crap for the way he's interacted with with his star players and how they've kind of feuded before. Um, I think if they can secure a first-round bye and be one of those top teams in the AFC, 
Uh, as a regular season award, I'm giving Ben Roethlisberger MVP in, in one of the final stages of his career. Yeah, like Breeze, he's a guy This has kind of been among the best quarterbacks in the league, but never won an MVP. Um, yeah. And after throwing for over 5,000 yards last year, um, which not enough people are talking about, by the way, um, right. I think breaking that 5,000-yard threshold is going to be more common uh, in the next you know decade of the NFL than it was uh, in all of NFL history prior to the emergence of Drew Brees. Um, but at the same time, with where we are right now and the few number of players who've actually done it, that's something... Uh, you know, to look to look at and say, wow, you know, especially at his age, 36, getting that extension that he got uh, moving forward. You know, the, the, they're all in on Ben Roethlisberger, and uh, I have no doubt that he'll have a great year. So I like the pick. Yeah, so so there we go, Matt. We can take a giant sigh of relief. Both of our AirPods uh, have died. That's how long this episode has lasted. They have outlasted both of our sets of AirPods. Uh, which is great. Um, we have stumbled and mumbled and bumbled our way through this episode. We're sitting at just about an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, now we can relax. We can sit back for the next X amount of days and just watch football and be happy. All is well in the world again. Uh, you know, a quick thing that we talked about before the show, we will be switching our schedule yet again. We are going to bump it from Tuesday, Thursday to Wednesday, Friday, uh, just so we can get the full NFL week in the books for our Wednesday show. And then be able to kick off the weekend right, uh, getting more you know injury reports, stuff like that, to put out a, a good show on Friday morning for you all. So another switch with the schedule, still two episodes a week, but pushing them back a day later in the week just to, in terms of fitting the NFL schedule. Because as soon as baseball you know wraps up and we're not shying away from our baseball talk, even though we did this week, uh, once, once we've got that all in the past, it, you know, the football season is going to be a huge part of the next few months. Absolutely, but yeah, don't don't get us wrong. We are talking lots of baseball uh, oh, the next of couple of weeks. September baseball is one of the most fun times of the regular season. Uh, we got a lot of fun playoff races to keep an eye on. Um, some fun award races to also as well. So uh, we'll be getting into that stuff uh, beginning next week. But of course, um, with the NFL starting this week, we had to wrap up our previews and. Um, you know, I think it's been a lot of fun, Blake, doing the, these previews Dude. with you. They've been uh, taking a while. I think, what was it, five oh weeks that it took us? Four weeks? Yeah, it, it took us quite some time. And, and long episodes, too. I, I feel like, you know, all of these division previews have pushed beyond the minute, the hour 20 minute mark, uh, at least. And so <laughs> we've it? definitely put out some long content and finishing it off with probably our longest episode ever, certainly. Yeah, I, I was, I'm just looking right now, though, when the last time we went under an hour was. Um, and it has been since episode 16. This is episode 24. Uh, yes. And that was two episodes before the preview started. So we have been consistently going an hour, and you're right, this is our longest episode by far, uh, with last week's episode coming right there at an hour 27. So, yeah, yeah we really are uh, pushing well, the bill here. We are, and so if you've been listening along, thank you so much for uh, sticking with us through this grind. It wasn't the, I wouldn't say it's the most clean episode we've ever had, Matt. What would you say? We definitely, uh, uh. we definitely had our, uh, <laughs> it was a, definitely a roller coaster of an episode. Yeah, but, well, uh, if we ever get you know, sponsored and we get put in an actual booth together, I'm sure we'll do much better, but considering that we do this over the phone in two different time zones twice a week uh, on our laptops, I'd say, you know, we have a pretty good true. product here. Yeah, <laughs> you know what, that's a good point. I, I've never thought thought about it like that this isn't your conventional uh way to set up a podcast so um let's just cut it right there let's wrap things up let's send you guys into the football season it is back go watch the packers bears go sit on your couch all weekend uh if you want to follow us 
On Twitter, you can find Matt at Matt Wyrick FBB. That is for federal baseball. He'll be talking Nats baseball. And, of course, now with the NFL season underway, certainly some NFL topics as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace talking, uh, you know, Colts. Uh, I'll put in some Yankee stuff there, writing for Syracuse Athletics as well, the Syracuse football season starting off strong. Um, and, and, yeah, just a lot of NFL topics. I'm excited to sit back and watch football just like you all are. Matt, any last words for our listeners? Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm pumped for football to start. Like we said, it's been a long, long off season, um, and, you know, nothing really satisfies my football need like the NFL does. So uh, Monday night, baby. Texans versus Saints kicking off the season. I couldn't be more excited, and who that? Yeah, we got some exciting opening week matchups for our teams. I get to play the Chargers in L.A. You get to play the Texans. Uh, certainly four teams that have had a, a lot of changes this offseason. But that will wrap things up. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you next week with hopefully a little bit more of a clean episode. We'll certainly hope to try and do our best. <laughs> no uh, promises. Make sure to, to, yeah, no promises, of course. Make sure to leave a, a five-star review. Uh, on iTunes, you know, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. It just helps out our numbers, makes us look cool. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next week.